Welcome to Deep Thoughts with Hoyt and Shell, which is our after-hours, intimate edition of What the Flock, where we provide a safe place for some of our guests to dig even deeper into their personal survivor stories and maybe more importantly, the healing process. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What the Flock. And this has uh, turned into part three, three of my episode with my bestie, Nixie. Oh, let's introduce the wine first, because this is (laughs) wine time. This is uh, more about the ICOC. And um, for most of this, we're going to kind of pretend like you all aren't here. And we are doing um, an after hours, um, unscripted, raw unpacking of a lot of the feelings that have come up as we've been talking about our experiences in this group. So as I started sharing my story, um, Well, and mind you, I feel like normally I'm about 99% on the other side of this and healed, but there's about 1% that pops up. And sometimes it just takes me to my knees, the, the memories, the feelings, the, um, I think the biggest thing for me is the regret. I deal with this damn regret of feeling like I lost 17 years of my life. And so when I I have to like reconcile that every now and then. So as we were talking about it all, um, I realized that there was more there to unpack. So as you'll see, this is a different uh, surroundings. I bamboozled Nixie into getting with me on a weekend to help me (laughs) in real time unpack all this shit and to continue to talk about it. and quite frankly, it's going to be a very, uh, like I said, raw, yeah. girl-to-girl talk about stuff that happened. It's not pretty. It's not polished. Um, it's real. It's real, quite often messy. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm really excited about with this podcast and what is unfolding on its own. It's definitely taking on a life of its own, which I I love actually, because it's authentic and organic. And we always joke, you know, we couldn't make this shit up if we tried. (laughs) That's for sure. But even the healing process, it's hard to even follow the rule books on that because it's not one size fits all. And everybody's different and everybody heals different and everybody grieves different and everybody's story is different. And you know, most of these podcasts, I sit down with my notes and I never follow them because something turns and twists right. in the story. And I, I feel like I just need to share it in, in real time. But um, what I was saying, one thing I'm really excited about is I hope to inspire others or encourage others that have maybe never shared their story or didn't have a platform to talk about it right. or, um, didn't have anyone to talk to about it. I hope that people can find us online, send in your stories, your comments. You can pull up our website. Uh, There's a way to reach us, whattheflock.com. We're here to listen. We're here to talk. We're here to point you in different directions for healing, for a recovery. Um, And what Hoyt and I had talked about, which we're so excited about and we're seeing actually happen and, and come to life is that 
we don't want to normalize trauma. We want to normalize trauma recovery. Yeah. That that's what's normal, that everybody has some sort of cultic relationship, ex-abusive partner, a boss that bullied him, but it, it causes trauma. Something unhealthy. Something unhealthy that we need to talk about. And I think so many people lock that stuff away. They shove it way down. There's, there's shame there. There's feeling like, oh, I must have been weak or gullible. And I'm going to say that probably on every episode. It's the opposite. It takes a very strong person to want to do something meaningful and powerful, powerful and, and work hard and change the world and all those things. It takes someone that has that kind of passion in them. And more times than not, cultic relationships or cults and cult leaders, they can sniff that shit out. <laughs> they, yeah. they find people that they know that that will get behind something that they think is um, noteworthy or something that's going to change the world or something that is greater than themselves. Well, not everybody. I feel like people who have not had this experience really define us as weak, but I didn't define myself as weak. I just wanted to be just, I wanted to have a purpose. I wanted to be of service and, you know, you people, Nixie, scoot up a little. I want to make sure that everyone can, people usually don't, they, they see that as like, Oh, you were weak. You got sucked into this cult. Right. Right. um, And it brings a huge level of shame where, as I even like, if you think about other things, like you even think about the popular kids in high school, you know, and how you get sucked into that and how you do all these things to be part of. And I was not part of that. And so I didn't see it as that. I saw that as like, like a calling, like, oh, okay, this is an opportunity for me to do good, do the good that I want to do in this world, you know? And I wasn't a weak person as, as much as I was an idealistic person right? looking right. for that ideal moment. I'm like, this is my ideal moment. I've been found to do, to serve my purpose in life. And, and, um, so I, I don't think, and I don't see you shall as a, as a weak person either, you know, but I think the perception is that there, you know, that we're weak. And I right. think I needed to overcome that shame. Or people that would say, oh, that would never happen to me. Right. I would never join a cult. Mm-hmm. You don't think you're joining a cult. Mm-hmm. You think you're grouping up with people to change the world. Right. Right. It just depends what kind of person you are. You yeah. Know, if you're like this person that wants to make an impact and there's so many people out there and it makes you vulnerable. If anything, you're vulnerable because mm-hmm. you want to let go of of your own needs and you want to let you, you want to be sacrificial. To make, yeah. And, and yeah. And you want to make yourself, you're willing to be uncomfortable. You're yes. not just thinking about yes. yourself and there's so many other people out there like that. And, and you just, that opportunity, like it's, it's like this little hole and they just, they just dove into it. You know, they, you know, they're like, <laughs> right. you know, right. there's this person who is looking for that purpose. And honestly, I feel like the people that, that brought us into the church, we're just like us, you know, of it's course. just this machine that a man-made machine that, right. that, that, that creates. Oh, and I got to jump in on that. I'm so glad you brought that up because I call so often I call our past cult mm-hmm. a machine and tell mm-hmm. me if you agree with this, Nixie, it was literally a group of like yin and yang, meaning 
there were, it's about 50, 50, Mm. those that needed to lead and those that needed to be led. Mm -hmm. And you put that together of these people that were leaders in the world out there before they became true disciples of Jesus Christ. They were powerful, prominent, successful people that were Mm -hmm. natural born leaders. Mm -hmm. But then you also have the, just the more meek, kind hearted Mm -hmm. people that were never leaders and didn't really want to be leaders, but were good hearted, Mm -hmm. great people. And you put those two together Mm -hmm. and it's a machine because you've got this, everyone looking up to the leaders like rock stars and they're so great and their lives are so awesome. But then the people that were following, they just got in line and did what they were told to be good disciples. And that does create quite a powerful machine. Oh, just a mess. It was, yeah. it was just a mess because, you know, the people, I mean, if you think about the ICOC, if you think about it, like the people that led were people of character, people that would have led in the real world. Yeah. You know, so there's a part of them that wanted to use their character traits to be of service. But I feel like they took their their own weaknesses took over. And then there's the people like us who just want to be of service. Like I, I didn't, I mean, I was put in a leadership position, but I never really wanted to be a leader. I just wanted, you know, I like, I didn't need a position. I just want to help people. Yeah. I remember. You know, and, but I felt like if, you know, it was drilled into us, well, in order to help people, you need to lead people. And I was like, I bought into that, you know, and it, it created a huge like hierarchy you know, a hierarchy. Well, it didn't create a hierarchy. They created yeah. the hierarchy. Well, yeah, they, they, because in their nature, that's who they were. They would have done that in the real world. And, and, you know, I think that people that left this cult that were like the chiefs, they were hugely disappointed. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they were hugely disappointed as well as like, I feel like I recovered, you know, because I still want to be of service, but there was like this huge wound of mistrust. Like, I just like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I just have this huge wound of mistrust. I don't know where they're at, but I feel like for me, that's what it. Well, and that's the thing. I think most people are in different spots Mm -hmm. that left. I think some recovered well. Mm -hmm. I think some are just bitter. Mm -hmm. Some committed suicide as we know. Um, some people's just lives and marriages were just destroyed, financially annihilated, you know, which I'll get into it a little bit later oh, about the financial stuff. Oh, man. oh God. We'll have to talk about the top ramen week. So. Oh, God. Um, okay, well, let me back up for a second. First of all, you poured your wine. So we need to do a cheers. You know what I thought about? And Nixie, I'm, I'm afraid people can't hear you. No, so they, make, can. they can. They can? Yeah. Okay. This is what I thought about. Have you ever seen on SNL when they did Deep Thoughts by uh-uh. Jack Handy? Uh-uh. They did this this bit where they'd roll, you know, words on a screen and they'd say Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. And I was like, Deep Thoughts by Shell and Nixie. It's just the deep shit we need to talk about. Serious. And this is part of the recovery process. It's being able to say that was fucked up. Yeah. That was weird. That was crazy. It was crazy. And I think. Who was I? Who was I? (laughs) And here's what it made me think of. And again, I know you well enough Mm -hmm. that you will disagree with me or pipe in. But here's Mm -hmm. the analogy for me in my life. And again, everyone's different. But since I was so high up in leadership. You were. And I Mm -hmm. saw 
the underbelly and I had the the backlash on a daily basis Uh of not sharing my faith with enough people, not meeting my quotas. We had to predict baptisms. Well, you had to be responsible for people like me. Right. I was high enough up. So it's like your responsibilities were not just for you. Oh, they were for hundreds of people. Everybody everybody under you. I think we had like a thousand people in our campus group at one point. And And then a sector. Yes. Right. So anyone else that messes up, it fell on me. Right. And my church husband. Yes. Right. I say church husband because it wasn't really a husband. He was was a church husband. Yes. My, the, I was the prop. (laughs) I was his prop. (laughs) Anyway, so everything fell on me. So there was no, there was never a second of peace. Mm -hmm. There was never, oh, well, that was a good day because it was never good enough. Right. You didn't share with enough people. You didn't bring enough people to church. You didn't have enough visitors Uh with you. You didn't meet your goals. Uh You didn't have enough people at Bible talk. You didn't collect everybody's tithe money. You know, I'd be at people's house at midnight, knocking on the door. Where's your tithe money for this week? Right. Because if they didn't put it in, we would put it in. And we had no money. So it was just like atrocity after atrocity after atrocity after atrocity. And it does numb you out to the sense of there's so much awful going on Mm -hmm. that you don't know what's going on. It's like you can't catch up. Well, I think for people who don't really understand this, and I hope it helps people who are in it, not just people who are recovering, but people are like, wow, that, you know, I watch all these documentaries of other cults and there's so many similar, you know, similar traits, you know, obviously there are extremes, but it all begins the same. Yes. It's just one group of people. Well, one it person, usually begins yeah. with the love bombing. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. somebody, you know, that's insane enough to say like, this is what we're going to do and, and draw people in. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. That's what happens. And I feel like from there, they start building, you know, and, yes. and we're just part of, we were just part of that. We just got sucked into that. Well, stuff. and their playbook seems credible at first because mm-hmm. their playbook was the Bible. Mm-hmm. So they were able to go, well, this isn't me talking. Mm-hmm. This is God's holy word. And if you have a sense of religiosity, like I was like, a total Catholic, you know, like, yes, you know, hardcore, you know, you go to church, you know, once in a while, (laughs) you know, (laughs) right. Check it off the box. You you go to the Easter, you, you know, you go to, you know, those are like the real Catholics. Right. Yeah. And, and so I had a sense of, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to ride my bikes to catechism because I just really, ever since I was a little kid, I just wanted to know, the depth of life, you know, and or your purpose, you know, my purpose, even as a little kid, I used to ride my bike for miles just to get to catechism and, and stuff. So I had that in my heart and, and it was, you had a reference point. I had a reference point. It wasn't like come on a spaceship. Yeah. I wasn't like a Buddhist trying to learn Christianity. Christianity. I was a Catholic who, you know, is considered Christianity into this, you know, Christian, you know, this born again kind of supposed Christian, Christian, supposed Christian group. Christian yeah. group. Yeah. And so I had a reference point. So to me, I was like, wow, I, you know, there's always that guilt. You always yeah. feel so guilty. You know, Catholics are so guilted out, you know, like I remember I used to, you know, do our confession session um, with the priest. And I just remember I used to try to like, I was like 10 trying to make up shit. I was like, um, I lied to my mom. Uh, you know, I was trying yeah. to think of like sins. Like yeah. I felt bad because I didn't have enough sins at 10, at 10, you know? So, yeah. 
So, you know, you know, Catholics are pretty guilt ridden. So when you, when I feel like, oh my gosh, I've been doing it all wrong, you know, right. it's like, you know, Catholics use the Bible. I had never looked at the Bible before, you know, I was, I was brought into the church and I was like, wow, I've been doing everything wrong. It just seemed like it pieced it all together. Full well, of guilt. So. Yes. But don't you think there's an element there? And I know I keep interrupting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. No, no, but no, you you keep no, pinging cool. things in my brain. No, we're right here. Um, <laughs> we're connected. Um, there's that element of, well, here's why that didn't work for you. Mm-hmm. You were doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And because you weren't putting God's kingdom on earth first, mm-hmm. seeking the kingdom first, oh, and, and you didn't that. know these elements, this is why your life hasn't really worked. I think you're, and then in this, in this particular situation, in this church, when you're doing your, you know, when you have we to say do church by, lightly, oh, it's cult. It's a, it's a cult. I yeah, mean, come on. Really if you look up the definition to... of cult, it's a cult. I'm I know. Just... I'm just saying. We say church. I don't want to offend any church right. goers. You're right. You're right. In we get cult, it. If you like, like church, need... go to church. Just yeah. don't find. Don't pick a cult. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now that you're listening to us, you will see what you right know, the, the difference. Are. So it when when they when they started to study the Bible with us, it's like study, you study oh, the okay. Bible. Oh, oh, and it's called first principles, oh, by yeah. the oh way. God, if that. anyone ever comes to you with a first principles guide, run. fucking run, run, run. <laughs> run. I looked it up. They've revised it or Kip McKean revised it for his new splinter cult. Anyways. Uh-huh. And it's online. You can look up first principles online. Google it if you'd like to be horrified. It was so organized that I was like, okay, well, I'm doing something wrong. You know, I was so guilt ridden by it. And I felt like I was gypped. And then I was even bitter towards the Catholic church. I'm like, why didn't they teach me this? This is why my life has been shit, you know? Right, right. and, And of course, like the people that are studying the Bible who, who have been through the same studies as you. So it's just kind of like this cyclic kind of a, it's it's a it's a it's momentum. A, it's a momentum it's where like they all young. It's a dynamic yeah. momentum of everybody saying we are meant to change the world. Right. This is why. People, that's why they well, target, yeah, you know, they target they, the, they, the campuses. They they fish for the young people because they they're moldable. So and they're rebellious. So they'll exactly. go against things. So you have this momentous group of dynamic, really. In their, in their core, wonderful humans mm-hmm. that want mm-hmm. to change the world. Mm-hmm. And then it's exploited and tweaked. And it is definitely that analogy of putting the frog in the lukewarm water. And then you slowly turn up the temperature mm-hmm. until the fucking frog is boiling. Right. And you don't see it coming. But then when it's the frog so is awesome. boiling, it's, deca- it's, what's the word? Incapacitated. Uh-huh. Right. Burning. It can't even jump out if it wants to now because its brain is fried. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt. My brain was getting fried. Exactly. But then you group. feel like you have to persevere because you're weak. And it's like all these, this vocabulary that you're given. You're faithless. Yes, you're faithless. You're weak. Yeah. You have sin that you, you don't know about. More. You have to pray go, through go it. To, go to. I remember I used to have, when I was in college, I had this apartment. And behind the apartment, there was a hill. And they're like, you just... You sister, you just don't go to the back of the hill and you need to pray until you don't feel that anymore. I'm and like, don't come home. Don't until come home. You've I'm prayed like through it. Sitting up there. I'm like, what are you do? <laughs> You're you there know, for like, like five days. Yeah, no, I was up there until late because I felt right. like, okay, you know, there has to be an epiphany that I'm gonna get. And and it's just this constant feeling of inadequacy. You know, it really is. You just never enough. It's never enough. Never good enough. And it really destroys if you know, if you 
really have that faith in, in God, mm-hmm. you know, a heavenly God, it really destroys that feeling. It's such a, it's kind of like that abusive, you know, ch- that child that gets abused because you're just never good enough, you know, right. and it's, I don't, I'm not sure that that's how it's supposed to be, but at that, you know, but you constantly feel that you're like, it's yep. never enough. You haven't. And so you're constantly giving of yourself, but you're not living your your real life and, and your life gets behind you. And I've seen that in a lot of people where people that. Well, that's the goal. Well, yeah, that was, that was, we were told that was the goal, right? That the group trumped the individual, right? Like the individual, if you focused on yourself, Mm -hmm. you were in trouble. Exactly. You were selfish. selfish. <laughs> Wait, cheers to that. You're so selfish. You're so selfish. I can't believe that you care you about your drink? own. You drink? I've had a lot. You have a toast. You have to have a drink. That's, okay. That's the, oh, you toast and then drink? Is that's that right. The, that's the Mexican way. The Mexican way? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm very Norwegian, but I will adapt that custom. She is. <laughs> I'm so white. Skin. She's still Norwegian. So white. Okay, let's, let's guzzle. Uh-huh. Thank there. you. There we go. Thank Those you, Miss Mixie. There you go. <laughs> yes. Cheers. Cheers to our after hours I know. episode. I love it. Okay. So what I was going to say was, and you, you just touched on it again, the abused child. Mm-hmm. So as we all grew up in this group, I was in first 17 years. You were in for how long? 13. 13. Once I broke out of it and my brain woke up and I, I literally saw the light Mm -hmm. and started to regain my self-preservation skills and my, um, my sense of survival Mm -hmm. and feistiness. And I started to refine my personality again. Mm -hmm. And I did go back and talk to a couple of them, a couple of the leaders. I'm not saying most people's names, but this person's name, I am going to say, because I asked him about this and he denied it and it pissed me off. Mm -hmm. So his name is Bruce. You know who I'm talking about. I I won't say the last name. It was the elder of Orange County. Uh I I confronted him on a few things in Seattle one time. And he literally said, I think you must be mistaken. I don't think that happened. And I'm looking at my person who was still my church husband at the time. And even even he was like, oh, no, Bruce, it happened. Uh (laughs) Like, yeah, we remember. And I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. But my point is. When someone's been emotionally abused, physically abused, neglected, doesn't matter what the abuse is. Abuse mm-hmm. is abuse. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if they've socked you in the face or they emotionally abused you. It's mm-hmm. abusive, mm-hmm. right? When I, when I t- dipped my toes in the water of confronting a few people after I had left, and remind you, after you've left, you're a fall away, yes. you are shunned, you're blacklisted. you're blacklisted, you do not deserve their respect, mm-hmm. and they just give you you're pity. You're, 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 your life is going to be miserable. Right, you are going to hell, you are following mm-hmm. Satan. There is this sappy, condescending pity in their voice. Yeah. Or they'll send you scriptures and say, I'm praying for you with a really hardcore scripture <laughs> about how you're going to burn in a fiery lake of sulfur (laughs) and that blackest darkness is reserved for you, but I'm praying for you. Yeah. Right. So passive aggressive. It's not even funny. So full of love. Oh, I know. (laughs) Just gives me the warm and fuzzies. Anyway. So as I went back to a couple of people, as I still must've been somewhat brainwashed thinking they might listen to me, boy, was I wrong. Um, I, I quickly realized that it's like the child that's been abused that then grows up mm-hmm. and confronts the parents or the adults that were in the situation. And they go, 
You surely are mistaken. Uncle Tom would never abuse you. I was there, I would have seen. And all of a sudden the child that somehow is finding the strength to confront the abusers, everyone's like, you're crazy. You, you don't know what you're talking about because uh-huh. they can't accept any blame, any shame or get their arms around how hideous and damaging it was. Right. So they go, no, no, I, I would have known. They literally aren't strong enough. Right. Are brave want, enough yeah, to say, yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. you're right. That happened. Uh-huh. It is gaslighting at its finest. Oh, oh yeah. You're the course. crazy yeah. one. Right. Constant. When we left. Constant. When we left, that's that's what it was like. So instead of and this is probably the biggest problem I have with this cult. Mm -hmm. I can't even say church. Mm -hmm. I think now they claim to be more of a church because they have made changes because there was Mm -hmm. so much backlash. But when I was in this group, 100 percent cult. Would you not agree? Oh, I do. agree. I mean, I was told when I could do my laundry. God damn it. I was told when to have sex. No, I got a prescription. <laughs> Wait, I got to hear a this. A written prescription. No. Written, no. Yes. How do I not know this? Yes, yes. What? Sam, yes. tell me. You got a prescription you, I for mean, sex? My, my church husband also. <laughs> <laughs> we were not being intimate because he was a... Because he was gross? He was, yeah, disgusting and doing a lot of disgusting things. Yes. And... um the the leaders that a lot of them like the higher ups you know they act like they're counselors they sit with you they listen oh they to pretend you. To, you can't get outside counseling oh no you no, could no. only get counseling from yes, your discipler yes. even though they're not trained they're not trained counselors so the the female she wrote out a prescription of oh, how many no. times i need to have sex so things can get better with my husband because i oh. need to give him myself even though he disgusted me oh no he disgusted me Okay, we need one more cheers because oh you just gosh. opened up a can of worms and oh, I'm going to go there. Okay. It's probably I, I it's probably the wine. I apologize. Like, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. So I wasn't That's sure. I know I wasn't sure if I was going to go here or not. Go there, go there. But, um, I just I just revealed that I had a pers- no a liter- pers- like a like oh, on a pad of paper to have sex. Okay, sex. I can. How many times? I can. Yeah. I can one up you. Let's see if I can one up you. Let's see if I can. I don't know if I can. Go. We'll see. Okay. Mind you, dear listeners, mm-hmm. we weren't even allowed to kiss before we got married. We weren't allowed to be alone together. Double dating. Double dating only. Uh, our phone calls had to be limited and timed. Exactly. They could not be emotional or intimate conversations. Because, yeah. you know, for sure we're going to commit sin over the phone. Right? <laughs> so everything was micromanaged, monitored, watched, assessed judged calculated exactly. it was just ugh, everywhere i was just constantly twitching <laughs> i still have my twitch it's my not very fun party favor that i've taken from the group is a constant twitch so when i got married hadn't kissed hadn't been alone didn't even know if i really liked this guy right because yeah. i who knew Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We were set up. You Who didn't did? know how they kiss. I don't even know how they kissed. Right. Right. And right. There, so there's just zero intimacy. Right. Zero. You are marrying a stranger. Exactly. You know nothing deep about these people. And so when we got back from our honeymoon, which I have renamed Horror Moon, <laughs> it was a horror moon for me. Um, we were at dinner with Bruce. 
and his cohorts and a table of about nine people at his Mm -hmm. house. And remember, we go from not being allowed to talk about sex before we're married in any setting to a dinner where Bruce says, hey, how was the sex? Did you have an orgasm at fucking dinner? Me, stupidly, being honest, says, no, I did not. (laughs) Not realizing. (laughs) 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 Totally not. He goes under the table. I know, right? (laughs) Totally not realizing that this would literally change my life, this comment. So it was as if that comment sucked every ounce of energy, life, noise, and feeling out of the room. It was like an audible gas. You're all shit. I should have said that. I know. But it was like this. It was like, (laughs) where people moved back in their chairs. I mean, forks dropped. She was honest. Right? They they instantly shut dinner down. And I was starving, by the way. I'm like, can I have my chicken? (laughs) You know, I'm hungry. They pull my now ex outside the church husband pull me into a different room with all the females mm-hmm. and they're like what happened what do you mean you didn't mm-hmm. have what and they're like walk me through it what happened i'm like what do you mean walk you through it but what did they expect like the whole time you're oh, they wanted single, to know about foreplay the they, whole time you're single you can't talk about you can't talk about anything it. all right and so they make it super awkward and then all of a sudden it's like you're this, supposed to go from zero to 600 oh my God, and yeah. have this deep intimate you know interaction it's so with your arranged husband exactly right <laughs> yes. and so i'm like okay is this a joke like what's happening right. i mean my life was already so hideous that it was just more hideous on top of hideous so right. it wasn't really that surprising it was like oh one more awful thing So my prescription actually wasn't called a prescription. My homework, they said, Mm -hmm. was we were supposed to have sex every day. Oh, my gosh. But I had to call in to the male elder, Bruce, and report on if I'd had an orgasm or not. That's so... I had to keep a chart. So, so like... Humiliating. Yeah. And then it, it, it went off on all these different horrible... Um, scenarios where at one point they suggested I go to a gynecologist to see if all my parts were intact. They sent him to like, Oh, I know. Right. To make sure. <laughs> to a doctor. <laughs> no. So listen and remind me, do not let me finish this episode without circling back to the very end of how I finally found out that my parts were just fine. <laughs> so don't, we will end on that climactic notes parts right there is so good (laughs) but there's a there is a climactic ending pun intended that we will get to at the end okay okay we'll end on that because it's a great juicy very victorious it's juicy oh god it's a very victorious story what kind of podcast is this i know it's good the the rating is like going down (laughs) by the second (laughs) yeah give me some more wine okay your hat says what does it say wine Wine on it's oh, so wine. Oh, I know. I thought it said wine time at first. I'm I like, too. we might have to rename My this episode. My boyfriend gave this to me because oh. he sees me drinking wine. <laughs> I, love <it. laughs> I love it. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, this is our, our mm-hmm. after hours mm-hmm. episode, so we can say whatever the hell we want. Again. Yes, we can. And by the way, how great does it feel to even just swear? Because we weren't allowed to swear. For 17 years, I wasn't allowed to say. 13 years, I did not say swear word. I said shit and I cried and I thought I was going to go to hell. Oh, right. I had to confess it. I was like, because I was driving. I remember I was driving. I said, oh, shit. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to hell. Because you said shit. Because I said shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And I didn't, you know. But think about that for a second. We lived in this space Mm -hmm. of always being afraid Mm -hmm. that anything we did would send us to hell exactly because that's what was preached and supported and pounded into our heads on every corner that God is a vengeful God. You know, what's crazy is that I feel like this cult grew because it wasn't in your, as much in your face as it was like constantly, like it went back door, like, you know, because the well, it's because concept. of the small groups. Exactly. We were always meeting. Exactly. It wasn't just from the pulpit. Right. It was in your home. It was, by the way, we all had disciplers. Yes. So we had D, D times, D partners. And you didn't want to confess that. You didn't want to. I was like, I don't want to confess. I remember when I confessed that and I felt less to cheat because I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to be a good person. And I thought. They'll judge you. Yeah. And, and I was like, I remember saying just shit and yeah. in a year I only and my mouth right. was so foul before that right and I feel so proud of myself but I couldn't even I was like wow I said that and now and that that I remember the anxiety of like oh my gosh now I have to confess that and well, back up you know, we had to confess everything exactly everything everything, everything. Every thought every private moment every thought not even what you did but exactly. what you thought exactly exactly can we talk about all the brothers that had to go in front of the church to confess masturbation? Okay. Let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. All the I time. I'm like, we story. get it. You guys masturbate. Can we stop talking about it? It's normal. I'm, I'm like, I Your body is supposed that. to do that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I'm going to tell you even a funnier story. Okay. Okay. So I live with a, a ministry leader and his wife. And I won't, because I really like them. They well, were, I hear you. Fine. I liked most people, yeah. but we were all under the same tree. Under the same spell. The same spell. Thank <laughs> you. Mo- and let's, let's really hit that. It is. A, it's the Most same spell. people from the ICOC, we like you. Yeah. You were great people. You did some fucked up things. Exactly. And you're still. We did. We, we, did. All, did. we, we all did. We did. We just got Well, some people are, cycle. my point is some oh, people yeah. are still doing oh, it. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So those of you that are still doing it. Then shame on you. <laughs> then, then wake up it's no. abusive okay go ahead exactly so i live with the minister and his wife okay, okay. i remember yeah. and, and my boyfriend at the time who became my Your church, church husband. husband yes he came over to have something we call d time which discipleship is discipleship time yes where we get together with our couple and we pray and we just become better people whatever or get rebuked and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and, and, and disciplined yes. so he came over and it was early so he came out very early and they were still sleeping so i i answered the door and he came in and you know he was kicking back and and we we Definitely, you know, social distancing at that time. You know? <laughs> no, it was, it was, what, it was, what should we call it? It wasn't a social distancing. Boyfriend distancing. Purity distancing. Purity distancing. Purity distancing. To make sure that, you know, we don't jump each other's bones. Right. So he was like on a couch and he threw his leg over. Over the couch. Over the couch. And there, you know, the minister and his wife were still sleeping. And 
he was wearing, you know, he's living with his parents at the time. He and he's wearing his dad's underwear. I don't know why. <laughs> he was quite a, a big man, you know, his dad. And so oversized you know, underwear fell out of his shorts. Okay, say it again. <laughs> a part of him, yeah. his anatomy fell, fell out, out of his shorts. Fell out of his shorts. Okay. You know, and here I am trying to stay pure, you know, sitting across from him. And I'm looking at his ding dong. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Oh no, we're going to get in trouble. I'm going to hell. <laughs> I just saw his ding dong. It wasn't even my fault. And he's talking to me. He has no idea. You know, he has no right. idea that's just there hanging. That his junk's hanging his out. junk's hanging out. And I'm like ready to like just dive into the pools of hell because <laughs> I just knew that it was wrong. And I was trying not to look. And I couldn't say anything to him because that would be sinful, too, because we can't talk about that. Right. You can't even use those words. No, you can't. You can't say penis. Oh, God, no. No, that was bad. That was bad. And so I'm a nervous wreck. So I walk down the hallway and I knock on their door because they're still sleeping. And I knock and I'm crying because I feel like I'm going to go to the pits of hell because that happened. And seriously, I mean, we're laughing about it, but I had this deep. Feeling, I was a very new member. Yes. And I just try to do all the right things. Yes. And and I I tell him, you know, so-and-so. I'm like, I told him I'm crying. I'm like, I don't know what to do. He's sitting out there. I don't know. Oh, so you told the ministry leader Yes, I told him that. I, I, you know, he's. Yes. And he's like, okay, wait a minute. So he comes out. Oh, no. This is so bad. (laughs) Come on, spill it. Uh, He comes out. It's wine time. Spill it. You know. My boyfriend's still sitting there with his leg over the couch. I have no idea. (laughs) And he gets, he comes out, the ministry leader, and he flicks it with his toe. He flicked his balls? He flicked. Oh, he flicked his penis. Yes, with (gasps) his toe. (gasps) No. Yes. Yes. I haven't talked about this for the longest time. Oh, it's so therapeutic. Come on. He flicked it. And and then, of course, you know, my boyfriend's like, oh. Ow. You know, and I'm like, my I'm just mortified and I'm just, I'm not even thinking about him. I'm thinking, okay, how can I redeem myself so I don't go to hell? Because I just saw a penis, you know? And it was so crazy. But that's the the tapes that were running in our heads. It wasn't even the ridiculousness of the situation. It was that we really believed Mm -hmm. that we would personally have to pay for that. Exactly. And that was their power. Exactly. Was getting you to believe that no matter how ridiculous it was, of what was happening or what they were asking, you personally would stand before God and be accountable for that. Exactly. There were no excuses. There was no backstories. It, it was, was. It was like supposedly. I mean, it was an accident, right? It, I because we're human. Yes. And guess what? Humans have accidents. Exactly. Sometimes your junk falls out of your shorts. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And Sometimes my boob on, pops out. I, I don't know. Exactly. When we lean over, that shit the pops out. The boob pops out. Yeah. It's, and he, obviously, my boyfriend was, you know, yeah. embarrassed. No, that wasn't it. Later on, we were at a wedding, maybe a few months later. No, maybe a month later. Yeah. And they pulled him aside and they asked him if he was an exhibitionist. <laughs> Sorry. They asked him. I'm sorry. They asked him. They asked him. He was an exhibitionist. Like it was not over for him. You know, (laughs) if he was an exhibitionist, and if that was a struggle for him, if he just wanted to show his penis to everyone. (laughs) I'm just saying. 
so dying. I'm just now picturing the ministry leader because I know I know who it is now that I'm coming out of the room. Like as you meekly go, um, excuse me, sir, um, I'm out here with my boyfriend. And his penis is hanging out. Can you please come help me? And then he comes and flicks it. I've seen wiener. I haven't seen wiener in the longest time. I've seen wieners everywhere. Oh my god, I'm dying. And it, you know, <sighs> if you don't laugh about it, I mean, at the time it was serious for me. It was right. serious. Now I laugh and I'm like, how ridiculous. But again, we were in that that bubble. Yeah, we were in that crazy storm. Uh-huh of events and, and momentum and dynamic people everywhere. And and again, to our listeners, you have to remember there were doctors and lawyers and athletes. That and, guy that owned the island. That guy yes, that, yes. Rich owned. people and PhDs. Like there was dynamic things that successful other people, people would be aspire to. Yeah, yeah. So they were always up front and we'd look at them like, Ooh, do we want their awesome life? Mm-hmm. Look, then we need to follow and do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The church also, church, air quotes are coming out again, cult, would always preach that the group had never had a divorce. Mm-hmm. So there's 50%, 60% divorce rate <laughs> in the world. We've never had a divorce and we've got almost 150,000 members around the world. That was attractive to me. Mm-hmm. I well, came from a broken too. home. Right. I'm like, I don't want a divorce. Right. I must listen to these people. Right. Right. I think actually I might have been one of the first really public divorces. Yeah. Because I yeah, because I was like loud and proud about it once I left. But that's a whole other story. So. OK, so I'm, I, I have to get this image out of my head now. <laughs> Nixie, <laughs> of what just, no, it's, it's good because it's funny. I talked about this for the longest but time. Doesn't it feel good? It, it does. It, it does. feels good. It's, it's, been, it's empowering. It's been years. Right. You know? But it's empowering yeah. to say. If Shell would this, have asked me to do this, I would have just I know. stopped it. I, you know? But I feel like it's necessary. It is necessary. You know why? Because there's millions of people that don't talk about it. And on that number, oh, this is a perfect segue. Okay, as I was working with one of the, you know, most renowned go-to cult experts on the planet, who's also a cult survivor himself, we were looking at some of the numbers, and I was like, gosh, how many ex-members do you think there are of the ICOC, right? That'd be a lot. Well, I'll tell you. You'll be shocked. But and, and let me say, too, there's a splinter group of the ICOC mm-hmm. called the ICC which is, in my opinion, from what I've read and people I've talked to, even worse than the ICOC. And it's, it's the same person that built it. It's Kit McKean, mm-hmm. who in my memoir that's coming out probably next year and named him Chip McQueen because <laughs> I just love that name. So Chip or Kip are interchangeable to me. Anyways, Kit McKean, he broke off because some people were rising up against him. Exactly. And he went on a sabbatical and wrote a bunch more crazy shit and then broke off and made his own group, the ICC, the International Christian Church. And I believe its main headquarters are in Los Angeles, once again, as was ours. The Los Angeles International Church of Christ Uh is the mothership Uh and the biggest group. It's still at about 6,000 people. But at a time, do people know how big it got? Like, It got up to 150,000 people worldwide. Mm-hmm. 
So hopefully at a time that you guys will be able to explain, you'll be able to explain how. How, yeah, we'll we'll dig into that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, Hoyt, my co-host, uh, my normal co-host, you're my honorable co-host <laughs> for the After Hours Deep Thoughts <laughs> edition. Um, we thought it would take us at least 20 episodes to explain our own individual stories. I will. I, I would say it's even higher yeah. as I dig into this. Like, what time is it right now? Like, how long have we been talking? Let's just check in. What's, 6 11. So, according to our alarm, <laughs> we're supposed to stop talking at 6 20. Oh, Sorry to our producer, KT, <laughs> who's listening in at her own home. We will try to wrap it up. I do have to end with my climactic story so i'll get back okay, to that yes you do um and i was going to share also what happened and um what finally woke me up mm-hmm. and things that happened with my ex and things that he did so many things oh my know. gosh so many things I'll, again i'll have to do that next time but i think it's good though because i think people that are listening that are in it yes they well, need to start talking something. And, and here's something familiar, like, wait a minute, I'm doing that. Or, yeah. wait a minute, that sounds familiar to me. You know, and I hope that that's, and that's why I'm here, because. I know you are. Yeah. I still, I haven't changed as a person, and that's something I realize about myself. I still want to be of service. Yes. You know, to people, to humanity. And if this is the way I have to do it, then this is what I want to do. You know? Yes. But I, I feel like that's, that's what I, I love about you, Shell, is that. That has always been. That I got a big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that you're you're a rebel with a cause, you know, right. and 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 I love that, you know, because I feel like it's going to take you a while to to just really unfold, unpack, unpack everything. That, yeah, you know, because even now I'm just like, man, I finally I haven't talked about this for like ten years. Mm-hmm. I'm just like shoved it down, put it in a drawer. I'm like, oh, that was part of who I was. It helped me become who I am. And I can, that's okay. Right. You know, but if I feel like there's, it's time to open that drawer and say, okay, there's a need, then, you know, I want to be part of that. Right. You know, and I, I think I respect that. And I thank you for, you know, thinking about me and to be part of that. Cause we did this together. Like we really bonded through this. We, we healed together. We did. We survived together. And we did crazy shit. And we did crazy <laughs> shit. We did, oh, and that's a whole other oh, that's episode. A whole other. That also How do goes you recover a, right? and be okay with that. And be okay with it. Exactly. So, well, and there, and here's another phrase that I use all the time as we kind of start to wind down here. Cause I do want to have time mm-hmm. to, to yes, end on it. my juicy story. Um, the theme is that we will need to keep talking. Yes. And sorry, you know, I will bamboozle you into another episode because okay we're still not fun. done. I know. It, it, well, it's so therapeutic to talk about it. it. I find it empowering to call shit shit. Exactly. And go, that was shitty. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. It's not helpful. And most importantly, it is not godly exactly. or helpful. Yeah. Right? So... I've had to wake up every day. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but every day since I left, I've had to wake up every single day and I've done it every day before my feet hit the ground and I get out of bed. I say, you have a choice, Shell. Are you going to be bitter or better? And every day I'm able to smile and go, God, I'm getting a little choked up here. Mm -hmm. Like looking at you. 
But every day I'm able to say better. Like, I just want to be better. I've always be- wanted to be. I know. And that's what got me in this fucking cult. But now I'm able to flip that script. So that's what got you out. And that's what got me out. Yes. Was I want to be better. Yes. I want to be better for my kids. Mm-hmm. I want to be better for my career. I want to be better for my friends. Mm-hmm. I want to be better for humanity. Mm-hmm. And part of me being better is saying what happened. Exactly. And saying, no, that is not God. Mm-hmm. God is not this mean man in the sky this this entity that is watching for you to make a mistake so he can crush you Mm -hmm. that is strictly fear-mongering right and this group functioned on fear and consequence Mm -hmm. and if you make a mistake this is going to happen to you they're exclusive they're so exclusive but, but to everyone who's listening that is not god god is so much bigger than that mm-hmm. They tried to reduce God into this tiny little box, mm-hmm. their tiny little interpretation of the scriptures, mm-hmm. and then sit inside their box and point fingers at the rest of us. And if mm-hmm. you don't do this, this will happen. Right. But because we were so, again, so brainwashed, so consumed, that was our only reference point for what was happening. We were vulnerable. We were so vulnerable, but... If you look at those scriptures, black and white, they would exploit those. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that was how they did it. Mostly. They did it through other ways, too. But I've realized that God is just so much bigger than they are. Right. And God is so much bigger than what they shoved down our throats. Mm-hmm. And God's so much bigger than their brainwashing and their love bombing and their judgment. And their assessment and now their sappy arrogance mm-hmm. when they post scriptures on Facebook and tell the rest of us and to beware <laughs> and make oh horrible videos. Oh, I am going to say, if you guys want to see what I'm talking about, look on YouTube <laughs> under 30th anniversary special. Mm-hmm. L- I think it's L.A. Story. L.A. Story 30th Anniversary Special. And this really creepy, weird... You sent it to me. Oh, it was cute. I got to put my my earbud back in here. It was so creepy. It was just so odd. I knew everybody in the video. And I was just thanking God that I wasn't a part of this anymore. And it's just, again, just just weird, weird, weird. Just weird on, on top of weird. But I'm just so grateful that now... I see God for who truly is and what he he has brought me out of. Mm -hmm. It's not so much that I look back at that, but I'm grateful for what he's brought me out of. And whether Mm -hmm. you call him God or the source of energy in the sky or the universe, it doesn't matter. We're all talking about the same thing. There is a source of love and well-being and goodness Mm -hmm. that to make it easy, I call God. Mm -hmm. But to sum it up, I truly believe if something comes from God, it's good mm-hmm. and full of love. If something is coming from fear, it's not from God. Right. It can't be. It can't be. Right? I mean, if you think about yourself as a parent, I would never want my kids to feel the amount of guilt and the amount of work that you have to put in to be accepted, to be to have that final end. Right. You know, I mean, can you like, imagine no matter what your kid did yeah. every day, you're like, oh, now you're going to hell. Yeah. No. Oh, you made a mistake. That's it. 
Right, know? I oh, did. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so ugly. It's so ugly. Okay, you have to share your thing. Okay, so let me share. And I just realized, remind me to also share, you know how we always start with a, a quote? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a quote for us. Okay. So let me end on the quote. Okay, so here's my story to share that all my parts work <laughs> for everyone <laughs> listening. I can't believe I'm talking about this. Hey, I shared my I know, penis your penis story. Dad's so, underwear thing. So in closing, when I finally left the group, which on our next episode, I will talk about how I left the group and what woke me up and exactly what went down and how I escaped and got a secret apartment and blah, blah, blah. So after I'd gotten my secret apartment, I'd had it for about a month. And again, my church husband didn't know at the time because he was so self-consumed that he didn't realize (laughs) I was gone most of the time. That's just so odd. Anyways, so I had a, a baby who was one and a half years old and was setting up my secret apartment. My friend at the time, who we will call Hannah, you know who I'm talking about. I don't want to share her name. Um, she had invited me to go on this rock boat cruise <laughs> with all these famous bands out of uh, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, I believe, Miami. On this rock boat cruise in the Caribbean, me a mess. I had just escaped the cult, was leaving my ex. I was a mess. Okay. I, I, my emotions were all over the place. So I'm like, fine, Hannah, I'll meet you. So she paid for it all, flew me over. And, um, I arrived there. I feel like I landed from a UFO. (laughs) I landed on this ship and remember 17 years without socializing with normal humans where in 17 years, I had moved 23 times because they were always moving you to keep you disheveled. So I arrive and we weren't allowed to be friends with anybody that we weren't trying to convert. Remember, exactly. we were told they're not open. Move on. You can't be friends with them. They're worldly. They will corrupt you. So I'm all of a sudden with a whole boat full of beautiful, normal people. <laughs> and their goal was to go and have fun and to be free. Yes. And I arrived on this boat like I was peeking out of my UFO. (laughs) This is how humans live. Right. And I just was it was a whole like awakening process I was having. I cried every day. But I started to feel like glimpses of hope. Mm -hmm. I can be happy. I can Mm -hmm. do this. Right. So live to live. So long story short, Hannah in the bar in the Lido bar one night. I have this Top Gun experience. You know that scene in Top Gun? They're playing that song, You Lost That Love and Feeling, mm-hmm. with Tom Cruise and Kelly McGinnis. Mm-hmm. And she's in the bar, and their eyes lock. Mm-hmm. And they meet. Well, Hannah, very beautiful, tall, blonde friend of mine, picks out a Navy SEAL for me. Picks him out, literally says, my friend has not been properly loved for 17 years. <laughs> Can you help her? And he's like, yes, ma'am, I can help her. And he's kind of Southern Navy. I will do my duty. I will do my service to America. And we start talking. I think we probably were incredibly drunk. But needless to say, had the most amazing night I've ever had in my entire life. It was, it's like, and it wasn't just the sex. It was. Well, yes, it was the sex, (laughs) but that was part of it. But it was 
I work. Mm-hmm. My parts work. I'm normal. I can this do this. They've been telling you like you don't right. Work. It was my sin. It's that's why I'm not working. It was this. It was that. It was my fault. It was because I wasn't giving enough. It was because I wasn't studying the Bible with enough people. It was because I wasn't this. I wasn't that. I wasn't that. There was a reason. No, my parts work damn fine. <laughs> right? He worked those he parts. He worked those parts. And I had the most amazing weekend time of just feeling like it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Right. Of course, my ex went on to tell everyone that i had had an affair She's and that's her. why we got divorced. Okay. No. Hello listeners. I had already left. Yes. I had had an apartment. It wasn't why we got divorced. I had we left. Denial land. We were gone a long time ago. <laughs> Those that live in denial. That was his story. Cause he didn't have the balls to tell people what was going on in our marriage and why I really left. Right. Anyways, that was such an awakening for me. And that's the point when I gave myself permission to start healing. Mm-hmm. When, okay, all these people out here aren't sinful. They aren't horrible. They're just people. Yes. And I'm allowed to be friends with them. And I'm yeah. allowed to live my fucking life. Exactly. Right? And though that's when I started to break out of that cocoon. And my little butterfly wings started to spread, right? Yes. And 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 realized that everything was going to be okay. Just, so on that note, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Hey, it's Shell again. If you oh, like our show, don't forget to tell your friends and hit that subscribe button. We got to do this more often. This is so fun. It's so fun. Okay, you ready? So remember our quote from the other episode we did was about butterflies? Exactly. Right? I love it. Uh, did you? I think I memorized it. You can't disrespect the caterpillar and rave only about the butterfly. Okay. So here's our, our other butterfly quote to my, to my fellow butterfly. You ready? I am ready. Okay. Let, let me get there. Here it is. How does one become a butterfly? She asked pensively, you must want to fly so much that you are willing to give up being a caterpillar Mm, by Trina. That's a quote by Trina Paulus. And that, that was my moment when I was willing to give up being a caterpillar. I love you, Nixie. You're everything. As always, remember everyone. Ooh, look how dark it got in here. (laughs) It is night now. We've talked so long that it is nighttime. But anyways, remember, no one else should have control of anything in your life. Only you should have control of your mind and your heart. So true. We will see you next time.